0: Welcome in, everybody, to a special edition of the Flagship Podcast. Normally, you're tuning in for the Flagship interview. Well, Big 12 Media Days has just concluded. And so I, Chip Brown of Horns 24-7, am joined by Horns 24-7 Managing Editor and Fearless Leader Taylor Estes so that we can recap Big 12 Football Media Days for you. And Taylor, everything from uh, horns down, once again, being brought up uh, as a part of Greg Burks, the coordinator of Big 12 officials presentation, uh, they're going to be cracking down even more on taunting horns down if done to another player or done from an opposing player to a Texas player uh, will likely be flagged. Greg Burks said. Um I can't even believe this is still a thing to Kansas, not even being able to make it to big 12 football media days. I'm, I'm going really Kansas. I, I mean, mean, was it
1: surprising for you? Let's be honest. Like of all, like when I heard that, I was like, of course, that's the case. Of course. Right. I mean, oh. things are doing going really well for Kansas lately. So it was like, no, no surprise there. And Chip, I swear if I he- never hear, the topic horns down again, it still will be too soon. Like, this is the, the laziest question. And because you know that people are just asking this because they're going to get clicks. That's the only reason why this question is asked. And they're looking for, you know, some world-changing answer. Really, the answer hasn't changed that much. It's always kind of been, if this is, it's taunting if you do it to a player. Just like if, you know... Texas Tech were to do their guns up straight in a Texas player's face, probably going to be taunting. Or if right. a Texas player does the hook 'em horns directly into an opposing player's face, it's going to be taunting. It's never really changed. Like, literally, this has never really changed. Yet, somehow, it has been talked about ad nauseum. It's the laziest topic and it's literally clickbait.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, uh, It's pathetic, actually. Uh, Listen, I don't want to get your blood pressure boiling over that. I'd rather get it going over uh, things that we heard from the Longhorns at Big 12 Football Media Days. This is sort of our chance to check in with the players to hear how summer workouts are going, how's the team coming together, who's standing out. And like always, we'll start with the quarterbacks Taylor, and I'm going to hyper-diagnose what Steve Sarkeesian said about the quarterbacks, and you can tell me if I'm crazy or not. Okay. Okay?
1: Hit me with it, yep.
0: So, Steve Sarkeesian was asked about um, the quarterbacks. Actually, he was asked about Casey Thompson by, an, by uh, Dean Blevins in Oklahoma reporter and he you know he first Steve Sarkeesian was asked about you know who are some of the guys emerging as leaders and Steve Sarkeesian did not mention either of the quarterbacks so Dean Blevins kind of pointed that out and then said how's Casey Thompson doing and and so He said, um, you know, when I took over the job, I gave everybody a clean slate, blah, blah, blah. He said, I didn't feel like 15 practices was enough to name uh, a guy the starter in a brand new system. Now, then he says, um, it's a little bit of a luxury for me to have two quality quarterbacks like this. He said, Casey Thompson is a guy who's been in the program a little bit longer. Everybody remembers what he did in the Alamo bowl with four touchdown passes in the second half, very athletic guy, very driven, very focused, high football IQ, great leader. Okay. Then
1: mm-hmm.
0: he said, Hudson card, tremendous passing ability, great instincts in passing the football. So we're in a great position. Casey Thompson, very athletic guy, very driven, very focused, high football IQ, great leader Hudson card, tremendous passing ability, great instincts in passing the football. Mm -hmm. I don't know.
1: So you think that's the answer that it's Casey is what you're trying to get at without getting it right.
0: Well, you tell me what those answers say. Doesn't it sound like there's a more well-rounded answer for Casey Thompson than there is for Hudson card or am I over psychoanalyzing?
1: You know, so this was it, it's a little bit difficult because I couldn't hear the actual question. So I didn't hear the phrasing. Was the question phrase about Casey Thompson specifically or just the quarterbacks?
0: Well, it was, how's Casey Thompson doing and what's the situation with the quarterbacks?
1: Okay. So that's where you kind of wonder if it was more leaning towards Casey Thompson, because it was a Casey Thompson question and then the position question. Um, However, I mean, but at the same time, though, Chip, I think everybody at this point, at least, probably is saying that it's Casey Thompson, one A and Hudson Card one B. I mean, it, it like just from the experience level in general, I think that's a fair thing to say. You know, Stark did not name a, a starting quarterback at, after a spring practice, and th- it would be too soon. I mean, seriously, you know, if he would have named a starting, if he would have named Casey the starter. And then in the spring game, he didn't throw a single touchdown pass. Texas fans would lose their mind. Like this guy, we don't even have a touchdown from the you know first team offensive quarterback. So I really think that it's it is too soon. They're still learning the system, but I think it's safe to assume that Casey has the the upper hand. And I think we you know we've been talking about that all along. Maybe I could be totally wrong, but I I think that. It was probably a little bit more heavy focus, Casey Thompson, but also on the other side, I think it's a little bit that, of course, I think Clark is going to probably trot out Casey Thompson, unless Hudson card absolutely annihilates him in fall camp. But I think game one, it's fair to probably say that Casey Thompson will be the guy.
0: Let me jump in here. Cause then the players were asked about, well, specifically Bijan Robinson was asked about the quarterbacks and and how they're you know how they're doing and and bijan said there are two different kinds of leaders he said he's he said there are two types of leaders meaning they hudson and casey hudson is lead by example robinson said He doesn't have to say much. Casey is more of an energetic type of guy. If you're doing something wrong, he'll let you know. And, and so that's just interesting that Hudson doesn't say much. And he's a lead by example guy. We've heard that before. And Hudson has said, he's working on, you know, being more vocal, but it doesn't sound like it's um, you know, that it's, changed dramatically from what, where we were in the spring. Then I asked Sarkisian if uh, a quarterback can be a lead by example guy. He said, quote, the quarterback doesn't have to be the most vocal guy. The no huddle has kind of changed that. But if your teammates see you doing everything the right way, earning their respect, you can lead that way. So um, we'll leave it at that. Just some interesting quarterback comments. Uh, when, we talked to the uh, players about who is emerging, um, new names, new faces to keep an eye on. Both Bijan Robinson and Keandre Coburn uh, singled out receiver Xavier Worthy, the freshman who arrived in June, and Bijan Robinson um, said that that's he's a great player, a great athlete. Keandre Coburn sounded like an NFL scout saying, I haven't seen uh, a guy shift into a second gear to go get a ball like that. Yeah. And talked about, um, you know, well, and Bijan John Robinson said the way he runs his routes, his explosion, he makes everything look easy. That is about the best news. I think. Texas fans heard from all of big 12 media days, honestly.
1: Yeah. I think, I think so too. The one thing I remember Keandre saying was, um, you know, X, they called him X, I guess. He was like, remember that name is what he said when he was asked initially about it. Yeah. I think that, you know, we've been talking about this for a while chip, you know, we haven't, there has not been that, or on this roster, there really is not that elite speed at receiver. There is not, as you've said, a Reggie Hemphill-Maps even at this point. There hasn't been for years. And Xavier Worthy, you know, Steve Sarkeesian offenses rely on those type of players. You know, they they need the top end speed, take the, you know, top off the defense type of speed at receiver. I think that it's it's going to be interesting to see how quickly he can get into the college game. But the good thing is with skill players, they don't, it's not the same thing as linemen, you know, it's not the same thing as quarterbacks where if they take the field, you know, they're not going to be ready. Skill players a lot, a lot of times have a more likely chance of being able to be, you know, contribut- contributors day one and early in their careers. I think, I think when Keandre said to me, or when he said Xavier worthy, you know, that's a name to remember, I thought that was really huge personally. And, and, and like the thing is too, Chip, the def- the defensive players, even though, you know, they're not in the meeting rooms with the offense, but they see those guys probably better than Bijan would see Xavier Worthy more so, you know?
0: <laughs> right. Right. And
1: so I think that, yeah, I mean, the good news is this guy could be a dude. And I think that, you know, it's shaping up to be that way. And that's something Texas absolutely needs at the position.
0: Yeah, no question about it. I thought that was uh, was a significant development. Obviously, there was a lot of, um, there is a lot of excitement. There was a lot of uh, reporters around Bijan Robinson um, because of his uh, breaking of the the fifty plus year record for yards per carry in a season at Texas, eight point two yards per carry, and He, you know, I asked him about the workload. Are you expecting an increase in your workload? Because he obviously only carried it 86 times last season. And Steve Sarkeesian, who's had a thousand yard rusher in every one of his full seasons as a head coach and all those backs had at least 200 carries in a season. Bijan Robinson said, yeah, we've talked about it a lot. He said, I'm trying to make sure my endurance is up. So I'm productive on anything that comes my way. I just have to be ready physically and mentally for whatever comes. And remember Robinson is also a fantastic receiver. So, I mean, I could see him getting, you know, between 175 and 200 carries, maybe more and, and 30 receptions. I mean, everything's going to be based. And Sarkeesian even said that he said, the focal point of the offense will be be John Robinson. Cause everything we do starts with being a physical running team. We want to have play action in in the passing game, and we want to have RPO in the passing game. And those things are only effective if you can run the football. So Bijan Robinson uh, is ready for a big jump in his workload, maybe triple, not quite triple, but, you know, close.
1: Yeah. I mean, the thing that's going to be is making sure that he can hold up to that. You know, um, if he stays healthy all year, I, I think Bijan Robinson will be in New York 100% if he stays healthy and he, if he gets the type of workload that is expected of Sarkeesian. Because you're right, he has had a 1,000 yard receiver, or excuse me, 1,000 yard rusher every single time he's been a head coach. That is and Bijan was close last year with only what 86 carries. Yep. He was only 300 yards away and he only played 9 games last year. So, he didn't even play all 10 in the shortened season. I mean, even think about I mean it's hard, you know, you can always say like what if, I guess, but if they had a normal schedule last year, the full initial schedule before they cut it to um, you know, the uh, nine conference games plus the bowl game I think that Bijan would have been probably a 1,000-yard rusher last year, even you know um, just with a few extra games on, under his belt. Even if he was only getting limited carries, I still think he could have been that guy. Um, but you know this is going to be huge. And I, what I liked about what BJ, Bijan Robinson was talking about was you know how he's kind of molded his game after Reggie Bush. And it was funny because right when he said that, obviously the follow-up question was, is that why you wear number five? And he said, yeah, that's why I wear number five. And when Sark was talking about Bijan and the comparisons between Reggie Bush and Bijan, he, you know, Sark knows firsthand what Reggie Bush was. He watched him in practice at USC when he was the offensive coordinator. And he said that, you know, the one cut that basically Reggie Bush made famous John has that too. And that's, um, I mean, Texas is so fortunate to have this talented back. I, oh, let me ask you this. If he gets, if you say he gets two and a half times the, the workload that he did last year, do you think he's a 2000 yard rusher?
0: I mean, it's possible. I think he's that good.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think he's that good. I think, um, yeah, I mean, if he if he gets 225 carries, he could be, um, he could put up some really special numbers. And here's the thing: we have his grandfather, Cleo, a former Pac-10 and Pac-12 official, for telling Bijan Robinson to study film of Reggie Bush and Bijan grew up thinking he was going to stay in the Pac 12 in large part because his grandfather was an official.
1: Yeah.
0: First 26 years on the field and then as an instant replay official. And it was Cleo Robinson who was telling Bijan, "You need to look at this guy, Reggie Bush." And and Bijan said, "I I studied him. I tried to add things to my game that I saw from him and and that gets to your your story about um Bijan Robinson idolizing Reggie Bush wearing number 5 and for the longest time thinking he would be going to USC so credit to Stan Drayton everybody Stan Drayton Texas running backs coach For being so impressive and connecting so well with Bijan Robinson, that Bijan, who, when he made his official visits list uh, initially, Texas wasn't even on it. Right. It was USC, it was Alabama, blah, blah, blah. And then Stan Drayton. Yeah. Great job. Great job getting in there.
1: Yeah. What Bijan said, his quote was, When I get the ball, my first thought is score. Every time I touch the ball, I want it to be exciting for people to watch. I want it to be a wow play like Reggie Bush played at USC. I feel like every time he touched the ball, everybody was off of their seats and everybody was ready to see what he can do and anticipate what he was about to do. For me, I want that same energy. That's what it's happening. Yeah,
0: he's had, you know, in every game that he's played, he's had a run um, in the first quarter of 15 yards or longer. Mm-hmm. So I mean, obviously you got to have runs like that to be able to average 8.2, but he just he gets off to a good start and then he keeps peppering in those those long runs throughout a game. Yeah, all right. So Taylor, Keandre Coburn, I thought, had one of the funnier stories. When asked about his first impression of new defensive coordinator, Pete Kwiatkowski, he said, when I first met him, I was like, he's so quiet. This isn't going to work. But then he he said, we started to get into his plays and schemes. And I was like, I can't believe he came up with this. He's not just about one front. He's about multiple fronts and knows how to use players in different fronts to feature what those players do best. He gets you excited about what he's going to come up with next. You have to lean in to hear him, but we know whatever he says is going to help us. So you just got to listen real hard.
1: Yeah. I mean,
0: I, I love this because Pete Kwiatkowski, who I've written about his colleagues call him the silent assassin because he doesn't say a lot, but he's, he's a live wire on the board when it comes to drawing up plays schemes, looking at opponents, finding their weaknesses, finding ways to exploit those weaknesses. And that's why um, we talked about this last week in the, in the insider from, uh, you know, a, more than a, well, a week ago. Uh, I talked to a coach who said, you know, people talk about Gary Patterson's defenses in the big 12. I think, they're going to be talking about Pete Kwakowski's defenses too. We'll see, but uh, interesting stuff from Keandre Coburn, who who likes to talk, and certainly said that Bo Davis, the defensive line coach, likes to talk. In fact, he talks in such a way that uh, he couldn't share it with us because it's not PG thirteen. He said. <laughs> That's
1: <kind of> adds <laughs> up. I mean, we've we've covered Bo Davis before, so that yeah, uh, yeah that that definitely adds up too. Um, I th- it's funny because I, I feel like Pete Kwiatkowski to me is based off of Keandre Coburn's kind of description of him. He's all about football. That's like what you want in a defensive coordinator. And that's pretty much what pretty much every defensive coordinator is. I mean, even when you go back to looking at some former ones, I mean, you know, when Charlie Strong was the head coach at Texas, that guy never wanted to be the, the PR person, the one that's talking to the media. He was not, he wanted to be talking ball like, and he's a former defense coordinator, my father-in-law defensive minded guy. He doesn't care about interviews. He doesn't care about any like type of recognition when he was coaching. Still he's retired. Now, all he wanted to do was coach ball. And that seems like that's what Pete Kwiatkowski is.
0: Yeah. I mean, Bill Belichick doesn't say a lot and is kind of quiet. So um you know, there's precedent for for guys who are cerebral and can see it, can see and make adjustments. Gary Patterson had a great quote at Big 12 Media Days. He said, the difference between a good coach and a great coach is someone who can fix things quickly. And that's what you want. You want the guy that's cerebral and can see it and fix it quickly rather than some fire breathing dragon who is just yelling at guys to do better, you know? Yeah. So, all right. So um, another interesting nugget I thought was Keandre Coburn saying that he appreciated that Steve Sarkeesian didn't come in and quote, force his culture on us. He, he uh, Coburn said that he, he gave us the platform of where he wanted us to be. And then he got to know us. They, the coaches, didn't try to force all gas, no brakes on us right away. They took time to get to know us. And I trust this staff with everything. So you want to hear that. And actually, Steve Sarkeesian said the way that Keandre Coburn was talking about Pete Kwiatkowski was, um, in Sarkeesian's words, Cool that a player talks about his defensive coordinator that way and already has total trust uh, in him within six months of meeting him. So interesting that the players, and, and that sort of leads us into um, Bijan Robinson talking about how, yes, uh, social justice, the eyes of Texas. Uh, COVID were all distractions for the football team last year and that they, that he feels like they are closer together as a team and that the eyes of Texas uh, is not a distraction uh, to the team. He, He said, we know it's still there, but it's not a distraction to this team at all. Well,
1: that should be music to Texas fans. Years because, yeah, there was a ton of distractions last year um, and important issues, obviously, um, but a lot of distractions that Texas had to go through more so than probably a lot of other schools because the other distraction was their coach being on the hot seat. I mean, that, you know, that stuff started in October. (laughs) The season started in late September. So, yeah, I mean, if they can, that's going to be, you're going to see what the locker room is you're going to see if the locker room um, comes together this season, if there is type of any type of adversity, but I think that probably last year can help keep those guys together. I, I one thing, just to go back real quick, chip on what you said about Keandre um, and um Sarkeesian coming in, that was the exact opposite of what Tom Herman did and the, a huge reason why a lot of those guys in 2017 who probably shouldn't have gone to the NFL draft draft left early was because Tom Herman was so abrasive and had such a hard approach. And a lot of these guys were kind of like, who are you? You've never won. You know, you're not Nick Saban coming in here and (laughs) winning a championship. You're a coach for two years. Um, I think that it's a probably a refreshing change to anybody who had heard of or dealt with Tom Herman, honestly, when he um, was the head coach of Texas, because Sarkeesian and Herman seemed to be the exact opposite. And I really think that's what Texas needed when they hired, you know, uh, when they replaced Tom Herman, they didn't need another fire breathing dragon. They needed somebody who was going to take a different approach. So, sorry, I know I kind of backtracked there, but, I think that's important to, to think about because the transition from Tom Herman was terrible, terrible. And so you didn't hear anybody at big 12 media days when Tom came in in his first year saying anything really positive about the early part of the transition process of the Herman era, hearing that about, um, Sarkeesian, I think should be refreshing if you're. A yeah,
0: yeah, no, it's a good point. It's a good point. Okay, just a couple more nuggets and then we'll let everyone, uh, you know, get back to whatever they were doing. But um, I thought this was interesting. You talk about uh, teammates working to help improve each other. Uh, Keandre Coburn was talking about redshirt freshman center Jake Majors. And, you know, I asked Coburn, I said, you outweigh him by 50 pounds. I said that you know, one-on-one that looks like a mismatch. And he said, every day in practice, I tell him, I'm going to beat you, Jake. I'm going to beat you, Jake. And, and he said, but he'll go watch film from practice and look for something I'm doing wrong and he'll exploit it. But then he'll tell me what it was to help me get better. He said for me to do the same and tell him what I see to help him get better. And he said, that just shows you a lot about him. And the the coaches feel good about Jake Majors. I I can tell you that. Uh, but how about that? I mean, that's that's what you want to hear about your redshirt freshman center. And Keandre Coburn, when asked who the nastiest offensive lineman on the team is, he said redshirt freshman tackle Andre Carrick. He said, "I'm not going to say he's dirty, but that dude is strong and nasty, and that's the kind of offensive lineman I." like yeah Taylor
1: you need that and he said he did make a kind of joking comment he said you know sometimes i you just want to punch him in the face because <laughs> of the way he acts and but that's that's a good thing that is not a bad thing i when i hear a defensive lineman saying that about his offensive lineman teammate you know there's a lot of scuffles that happen in practices a lot of times it's between the linemen and it's because you want that fiery intensity. You don't want guys that are going to be pillowy soft that look the part. You know, like they uh, look like Tarzan but play like Jane. That whole thing. You know, <laughs> I mean, this is you want guys that look like Tarzan and play like Tarzan. And that's what it sounds like. You know, Andre Carrick is Jake Majors too. You know, I think that those are good signs of of what could come because both of those guys are young. You know, both of them have a lot of um, playing time left at Texas, they really, I mean, Jake majors has played more obviously, but they haven't really had the chance really to get their feet wet at this point, tip in the college game. Um, especially in their first, you know, the last season was kind of a weird year for everybody, but I think that this is something Texas has lacked often at offensive line. They had the nasty type of guys and the, you know, the really, elite type of guys. When you look at Samuel Cosme, you look at Connor Williams, but it's hard to point back to anybody else, except for those two, probably since even when Colt McCoy was there. I mean, you know, the offensive line in 2009 was horrible. Colt made that offense. He, you know, his play alone really helped avoid people looking at how bad that offensive line was in 2009, I think. So this is something you want those type of guys, I think that you're going to see Kyle Flood go after those type of guys. Um, I mean, look at the guys at Alabama. The, those guys, there's, they're just physical specimens. That, and I know you, it's weird to say that about offensive linemen, but they just look totally different than any probably offensive linemen at Texas for many years. So I think that though, if they can continue to get those type of guys maybe it can change the focus of the Texas line, not being, you know, good and not having, you know, any players drafted, except for two in the last, uh, what, almost 15 years now. That's a, that's a positive. Don't you think?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. And that, uh, that, that sort of gets back to this ongoing debate that we've had um, for weeks about where, what's the biggest concern on offense, the offensive line or the receivers. Well, there's a little bit of information for you to feel good about, folks, if you're a Texas Longhorns fan, about Xavier Worthy at the receiver position and um, you know some of these young offensive linemen making an impression. All right, um, we will have more later in the week. This is just uh, an appetizer of what uh, some of the highlights from Big 12 Football Media Days, but there's much, much more. So make sure you tune in to the flagship podcast later this week when Horns 24-7 managing editor Taylor Estes and myself, Chip Brown, uh, dive into even more from Big 12 Football Media Days, including whether our impressions were changed uh, about Texas or anyone else in the Big 12. We uh, We will talk about it. Until next time, for Taylor Estes, I'm Chip Brown. Everybody stay safe and keep the faith.